like pull at the heartstrings, you know, telling a negative story or like a, you still kind of got to keep it light. I think that's an editorial perspective, though, like what you're saying about background music and stuff. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, that 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 was I'm. Just, <laughs> that was, but look, that that's a fair look. That's that's a whole nother again. That that's that's in my brain too, right? Where I'm thinking, like I I'm try. I mean, look, a lot of the like, and if it feels like there's a third part of this conversation, it's because, but like the one that you and I are having, it's because there's this like ever present voice of Mitch in my head because these are conversations I've had with him, right? And we're always spitballing and going back and forth about ideas. Like one that he had for a long time was us trying to figure out like a game show. And I watch uh, like college humor game shows on YouTube, uh, which are pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I do like Game Changer and things like that. If you've never seen them, they're worth checking out. You know, the, the college dropout, I think, is now or dropout TV is what they're called on YouTube. But yeah, those guys are professionals though, right? Like they're, they're like, uh, like what, like if Gramblings or, uh, or any of those major comedy houses had a, had a television show, right? It's like, yeah, almost SNL like you've got real professional and like theater kids. Yeah. Doing things that are incredible and very entertaining. And that's one thing, right? And so like, uh, like, you know, you're talking about putting music behind a bad, a sad story and, and I think it drops that I want, you know, like with the name, like brevity box, my mind goes to random movies where there's references to a box. And the obvious one is the one that's been overused a million times and is still great. And that's Brad Pitt from seven yelling at the end of the movie. What's in the, What's box? In the box? Yeah. Like freak. Like, of course you got to have that drop for a show with box and the name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then uh there's also like an old Weird Al Yankovic movie called UHF. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. So th- this is a hilarious over the top like an unbelievably over the top ridiculous movie. It's everything you would expect from a Weird Al Yankovic movie. Yeah. It's totally funny. And I don't remember the premise. I'm probably going to butcher this, but at some point there is a <laughs> like a t- like an, a-, a fish market owner like in the show somewhere in line he's just friends with weird al and he happens to be where he buys his fish or something and he's just like a butcher right and so at some point when weird al has taken over this uhf television station he's hosting this game show called wheel of fish right and so it's really stupid it's going on but at some point this guy has to pick between the fish he just won, which is like red snapper. You know what I'm trying? I'm trying to avoid not doing a racism because this guy who acted the part is clearly Asian and he goes into the very most stereotypical and probably now very racist version of an Asian voice (laughs) that I'm sure is only acceptable on South Park and Family Guy. Right. (laughs) And I don't have to do it, but I know that you hear it. Right now, absolutely, you're hearing it right now, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, and I don't know. I'm torn between is it is it wrong for me not to do it because it's important to the story. (laughs) But there's this part where he literally has got he's in a suit. This Asian man has got one hand on his left, and he goes red snapper, very tasty. (laughs) And then he goes to the right hand, and he goes or what's in the box. (laughs) <laughs> and then you can cut away to 
what's in the box? <laughs> exactly. And so then this guy goes, well, I think I'm going to take what's in the box. And they open the box. He goes, it's nothing. Stupid. You're so stupid. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, the, <laughs> it reminds me of that Family Guy episode when when he's going to win something. They give, like, it's they, they present Peter a box and they're like, there's a brand new boat or you can take what's in the box. And Peter goes, I mean, I can get a boat. I mean, there could be a boat in the box. <laughs> there could be anything so in that box. box. There could be anything. Maybe a boat. Yeah, yeah, boat. I remember yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, it, that, it's a have to, right? It's a have to have those drops. But to my point earlier, right? It's do, do you end up making a, because then at some point, don't you sound like morning radio? Yeah, but I mean, that stuff's still good, though. At some point, you're like, welcome to the morning drive at 6.30 a.m. Weather's going to be sunny and 75 degrees today. Wind coming out of the northwest at <laughs> about 12 miles an hour. It's going to be a little windy, maybe a little cool. Want to bring a jacket? We'll catch you back at the traffic report. We're back in five. <laughs> <laughs> but then you could still do that as a joke, though. Like... <laughs> What's in the box? It's like, there's some old guitar rib. <laughs> it's 4th of July weekend, and we've got discount mattresses from wall to wall. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're slashing prices. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, six minutes in, and if you're just kind of trying to figure out if we're going to go through a normal introduction on this show, uh, maybe... I guess I should. Uh, it is a random impromptu episode of Brevity Box. I am Triple C. You can call me Charlie. You can call me Charles. Only my family gets to call me Chuck or any rendition of. If you call me that in the wild, you will get some serious side eye. Just warning you now. But yeah, we're back with an impromptu episode. I say impromptu because my cousin is here with me again. Now, we recorded an episode about a week ago, and you know trying to capture that chemistry we kind of referenced that a little while ago and, and i think you guys are jumping right into the middle of a conversation about what we're gonna do what we think about the direction of this podcast because you know we do change and we roll with the punches i think you can tell that i'm not mentioning becky's name at the moment because becky is still somewhere hadn't had a chance to wash her cape yet she's out there saving lives rescuing people one by one, changing the world. And hopefully she'll come back with some stories about bad dates that are worth laughing at. And uh, and also just to kind of bring that vibe back. I, I, I check on her from time to time. I know she's had a lot going on. And if she listens to this before getting back in here, Becky, hurry up. I mean, seriously, you know, hope everything's good. Come back soon. Before moving on, I want to say that Brevity Box is brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network. I talk about it all the time. I am also a fan, a fan of podcasts like Cinephile Hissy Fit, Retro Futurist Culture, Ruminations of Red Rum, which is really just impressed with what Kyle's done. It's an entertaining podcast, and he's his passion, his passion is really contagious. Check it out. It's a fun show. It's fun to, it is the first time I've wanted to watch a horror movie more than once. Because I'll watch it, listen, or in some cases I've seen it, I'll listen and I'll go back and watch something. Because he's always pulling 
horror classics from the 90s, the last century, and the early aughts. And so it's a, it's kind of an interesting walk down memory lane, and it makes it a lot more fun. So check it out. You should check it out. Or if you want some other suggestions, check out our website at www.ruminationsradionetwork.com, where you will find our entire roster of podcasts and even some secret hidden path to a Patreon account where you can support what we're doing if you like what we're doing. Also, do YouTube. Wait, do you YouTube? Do YouTube. Basically, do YouTube. Go to YouTube. We've got, we took an interesting approach. You should just type in Ruminations Radio Network on YouTube and you will find a slow trickle drip of everything that we have put together since the beginning. It is a great way to survey our podcasts and how they've changed from episode one. And every day there is a new episode of one of our podcasts that just gets released for you to enjoy and uh, catch up so that you can kind of be up to, you know, speed with everything. I mean, where have you been? Come on, hurry up now. All right. So back to our conversation. Uh, this is my cousin, Nick, if you need a quick explanation. He's like, you know, totally West Coast dude. And uh, I'll just let him speak for himself. Nick, what's your elevator pitch for yourself? My elevator pitch for myself? I, you know, I never actually thought about it. Uh, They're listening. I mean, so I'm a restaurant connoisseur, musician. Uh, I love comedy. And uh, kind of monster hates comedy. I don't, you know, wouldn't that be a funny trait for somebody if you're like, what's your elevator pitch? Like, hate comedy, really hate comedy. Don't bother telling me a joke. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, that kind of, that kind of sums me up. I'm pretty chill. Pretty chill. I mean, I work a lot in the restaurant, so it's, you know, time off is unwinding by doing mind numbing stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, I'm with you. I know how that goes. Uh, you got a high intensity work life experience. Do you feel like, um, you know, do you ever, I, I guess I get, you know, I have a lot of friends, I'm sure you do too, that work more, I don't want to say normal because I don't, I don't not, not because I have a problem with the word normal, but I don't think it really captures what I'm trying to say. I, like I have a buddy of mine who is behind a desk. He works from home, but he's behind a desk. He works remotely in front of his computer screen five days a week. And he is a disciplined guy. He's working all the time, right? Yeah. But our experiences with just earning a buck or being out in the world and being busy, what busy means to both of us are just totally different. And unlike most people, he doesn't have sort of a weird thing. He doesn't give a shit. He knows I don't give a shit what he does other than wanting him to be happy with whatever he's doing. And in many ways, he doesn't have any kind of judgment on what anybody else does right yeah what always gets me weirded out is that every now and then you come across those you know like who will ask you like oh do you wish you were working like a nine to five like do you wish you were doing something in an office or do you wish you were doing anything else and i i don't think i've ever had that feeling and for anybody who wants to catch up with where i'm coming from i've generally been self-employed for 20 years or plus that's not to say anything. It's not a brag. It's a lot of struggle. There's definitely, it's more of like you're really living the gig economy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's gig to gig and you, you do what you have, you develop a skill set. You know, that just came to me more practically and it made sense and I liked it. And it, I, I got the ability. I went into uh, home remodeling really just kind of off a fluke for somebody that's related to both of us. I mean, my sister 
uh, after Hurricane Katrina had her house underwater and there was nobody here to kind of do anything. And I had very little knowledge. And so I, I was put into a position where I wanted to help. Um, I have more knowledge than, say, somebody with no knowledge. And I wanted to help. And so I had to learn and sort of on the fly. And thankfully, it was at a time where the Internet was a thing because there was still a lot on there in 2005, 2006. But that's really what led to me sort of going that direction. But that direction is sort of what I'm speaking about, right? You're, you're outside or you're inside, whatever you're doing, you're working with your hands and body and it's not sitting somewhere. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I've just, but even doing that, I've never had this feeling like I've, I've never come home and thought, poor me. I can't wait till I can get that job where I don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, and like you and I talk about it and you know, I, I know how much time and look, we have a, I mean, Tyler is the same way he's 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 and that's how you have to do it in that industry and i think a lot of lay people who don't know that they don't know that that's a lot of chefs work their way up from nothing and they get skill and they get trained and you know and they make themselves into a name or and with what they learn and um i, I don't think it works that way you know people don't know that you know what I'm no, saying? No, it's 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 a it's a rough industry. I mean, it, reputation goes a long way. Yeah, a long way. And then, as you know, even having to deal with customer service, and you know, you, you work in restaurants, it's 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 hard because it it's not not so much like physical wear down, but like mental as well, because you're having to do both aspects of like pleasing just random people. And also, you know, it's a, it's a physical job. I mean, you guys are roadies that cook. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, you're basically, you gotta have every, you're thinking of it in terms of presentation on all from, from the plate to the ceiling, Yeah, the lights, the background, the, the, like everything has to be maintained, you know, and then the food has to be good and it has to be presented correctly. And it has, you know, all the time. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And as a manager, you have to like make sure those people are doing their jobs. Like it's also a motherfucker to handle, like in because because I think that's the one place where everybody feels entitled. Like even like if you're an entitled person, you're the worst jackass on the planet. But even if you're not normally an entitled person, when it comes to eating, it's it's so intimate. Yeah, because you're like, I'm paying for this. I expect this. I'm gonna put it in my face hole. Yeah, Can, yeah. I'm I, I, I'm here with my friends. You know, any of it. That's yeah. That it, I I I think that's uh. You really get to see the best and the worst of people. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, I've had complaints that didn't make sense. That or just people trying to just skip out of their bill or they eat all of it and they're like it was undercooked i'm not paying for it yeah they ate half of it and they're like i don't like this and it's like well you ate half of that what the fuck this is disgusting but i'm starving <laughs> what didn't you like about it that you got halfway through it you know i like how my voice is like quasi kardashian <laughs> that, but that's how it is though like <laughs> that's how they are there was a drop of ketchup on my veggie <laughs> cauliflower fries, and yeah. I have a gluten allergy. Like, if anybody can make up any scenario about any complaint as far as food getting sent back, it's happened. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the case. Does a transition, like, 
you know, you and I have talked a lot about you making a move from the West Coast to the dirty South. Yeah. Um, and I think that that the first question anybody who's thinking about that needs to be asked is, do you feel like you're a natural alcoholic or are you just coming here to learn how to be a pro? Because, you know, a lot <laughs> of people think they can make it here, but it's hard. You know, you really got to have commitment to the game gotta know how it works because we're all year round here yeah yeah <laughs> it's, not, it's not a seasonal thing okay everything's all year round everything's about how many beers it takes to get you from one place to another in the quarter uh, yeah no I, I feel like with new orleans especially like downtown i would treat it like even if i were to go to las vegas you know i'd visit but i probably wouldn't be there every single day or even two days a week for that matter you know like no, you, but you do enjoy it you know yeah. what you, you enjoy? I enjoy taking people there. That's about the only time I really go frequently is when somebody's here. Yeah. You know, and then you feel cool because you know all the little, you know, hideaways and stuff. Because there's a lot of little secrets in the quarter that, I mean, I, nowadays you can find a place that'll get you there, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm, I like, honestly, I, I loved, uh, was it, is it Frenchman Street? Yeah. Frenchman's further down. That's my, that's my jam. You know, like you got more music down there, like, like real music. Like you have like local bands playing jazz and, uh, like what is it? The aphrodisiacs is what I saw when I was down there. And those guys are awesome. Yeah. Listen, uh, it's one thing I think is, you know, I have this conversation. I had this uh, conversation with Mitch to some extent. We really kind of started it, but didn't really get too deep into it, you know, because he's, He's such a, a he's such a beautiful man. No, but he's he's <laughs> such a like a music loving. I really appreciate the passion he has for music, and the same way you're referring to it, and I the way I think of it too. I I think I'm a little more maybe I'm a little more vague about how much I love live music or how much I appreciate it. But a lot of times my heart is just to uh, tech EDM bubblegum, and you know I I I'm I mean you get me with a disco beat i'm stuck you know it doesn't mean i don't have deep rock tastes but it's like yeah yeah <laughs> you know i mean don't don't get wrong, don't get me wrong i still uh, i still like that but yeah i i think he and i were kind of going down a pathway of you know kids don't appreciate music real life music's gonna die ai's gonna take over you know we were kind of going on multiple streams of consciousness about it and you know my my sort of intuitive reaction having being from here like i can say that now legitimately being from new orleans um it's cities like this and so and also cities like tucson but to a different extent a lesser extent but still worth mentioning cities like that and many other places i'm sure that i just have no experience in you know colorado springs maybe nashville would make sense to me new york Burrows, you know, that I, I would think there's always going to be a presence of wild live music because people love different music. And and here's what makes me think of that. You were talking about Frenchman Street and Frenchman is a collection of smaller venue bars and you can have many different types of bands going at the same time within 50 feet of each other. Right. So you walk 30 feet one way, you're listening to reggae and ska. You walk 35 feet the further down, you're listening to metal. And then, you know, you go to the other side and you're listening to just like 20s style American jazz, you know? And if you go a little bit into the quarter, they have 
just great places where you can hear Dixie style jazz. I mean, these are people who know how to play the instruments. They love the music. I don't think a city with a place like Preservation Hall is ever going to lose the soul of the music. It may be them that keeps the embers alive of it if the mainstream has just kind of lost its way. But I just don't think it's going to go away entirely. At least I, I don't want to believe that it will. And I, I, you know, regardless of what the majority of people might think or might not think. I, I don't know if you agree with that because that might be a different feel from where you are. I don't know what the... Like the music, the, the music out here is, it's so, I mean, you're either doing cover bands or you have to play these just like, it, it, the music sucks out here. It really does. Like you, you don't have, like when I was playing in bands, um, you know, you, you got like a, you would be able to play at a bar or at a, at an establishment to where you play with like four or five other bands who are playing different music, you know, and it's just lost its luster out here. You know, you, you have to be like either signed by a label or you've got to just be like killing it. And you don't get to hear those small bands anymore that just really have the love and passion for music. And so it's hard, it's hard to go to places because if you just go to a spot that's, they're just either covering or they're playing just like pop it kind of feels like they're taking it like it's it's changing the order of how it used to go like it yeah. used to be these guys would get together and play and they just want to get exposure right and they try to get exposure through the live experience exactly but now it's getting to a point where their exposure is youtube exactly so like literally the garage band will go through like a, a successful garage band would would seem like nowadays the journey is going to start on like uh TikTok. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you go to you if you were to go to a, a spot down here, it's like how many followers you have? Ah, we can't book you. It'd be a 30 second drop. Yeah. Right. It'd be a 30 second drop. People start following you on TikTok. Then they click the link to go to the YouTube video. They see the video. It goes viral. Then you could start booking gigs. Yeah. And maybe that's just me being old school because I, <laughs> you know, I've had, you know, uh, what with deep piazzas the guy just gave us a shot i didn't even give him a demo i was just like just let us play and he was like you got it and then we played there for like four years you know but now it's like how many uh how many followers you have right because there's there's monetization now yeah it's all monetized right yeah they're gonna they're gonna surf your wave if you're bringing in a bunch of followers and they're gonna let you do the social media work yeah that's and but that's that's what i love about frenchman street is like i feel like walking down there like seeing just a couple of bands that I've seen in there and they're small time and I end up following them on Instagram, but like they're great musicians, you know? And I, and I, that's one thing I have about the music is I feel like there's a lot of untalented people that are like being shadowed by really talented musicians. I mean, that's not new though. No, I know. Right? I mean, that's, ha- that's been that way. I think it's just getting worse. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think what I, I still contend that social media works both ways. Like we're seeing more of the bad that was already there, but we didn't see it before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because now we're seeing it. We're just seeing it. Like, I'm sure there's more of it, too. But I just I, I'm sort of reluctant to be overtaken by that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God, it's terrible. It's just everything's getting worse. It's a yes. But I also think we're kind of more aware of the bad. Yeah. You know, like the social media saturation is always the, the seems to be a, a, the culprit for so many 
you know, of, of the, the roots of those feelings, no matter what you're talking about. Right. Like there's always been crazy fucking people just, you know, it's only been in the last 23 or 25 years that we've given them a contraption to speak to the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, crazy person. You don't have to just talk to yourself on the street anymore. You can share it across the internet. <laughs> First, steal a phone. Next, go trade it in for a phone of your own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is It is sort of uh, like I, I, I do like anytime I'm talking to somebody about any uh, political story or, you know, shootings are a tricky one. But it's, it is kind of one of those things where I'm positive there were shootings that we didn't hear about because they only made it to local news for a long time. Oh, yeah. It wasn't until social media and Facebook, and it was just like, and you got, you know, so I kind of get it that that's really hard for people to compartmentalize, right? Or to really, and who need, you know, it's a weird ask because it's not in the fine print of like Facebook to be like, now stop and think about this every time you read something. Like they're not asking you to do that. So, I mean, you get to see a lot of people going like, I read another story. You know, that's like, that's, it's all going to shit. It's like, okay. It's been going to shit for a long time. We just haven't had the access to it. So, yeah, I mean, like it, it, it happens. Yeah, I really think it's interesting because I think exposure builds a weird comfort, and I think a lot of times the most animosity comes from people who have no exposure to the other. Yeah, you know, you just have no you have no tolerance and no exposure to somebody kind of just being there. I had it in my head that like a funny bit would be like. I couldn't get the the what the two normal guys would be doing, but it would always be like a key and peel bit where you could see people of two different opposing political views just going nuts, yelling at each other. Yeah. But further off, there's just like two dudes getting something to eat at the same hot dog stand. They're all they're both wearing clothes that are definitive of what they believe, but neither of them references it or talks <laughs> about it. And the other one's like, "Hey, is that ketchup? Yeah, could you hand me? Yeah, it's girl, man. I'm like, you know, they like the whole time they're not really there to. They're kind of there, but they're not there for that, you know? Right? And they're just sitting there and almost having the same laugh. Like the whole thing is just to show that they really don't give a shit about each other's views like it's like it does it'd be the same as if i showed up and you know i'm wearing a saint's jersey and you're wearing a raiders jersey right i would never do that but you get what i'm saying i know what you mean yeah you know or or rival teams whatever the rivalry is it's not i mean look we do the same thing with atlanta you know things get violent you always hear those stories about like some dude pushed a dude over the rails like okay bro but you know what's funny is like going so the last time I was out there I went to the I went to the Saints game and they played Tampa Bay which they the Saints uh, lost yeah the Saints lost and it was sh- Jameis Winston threw three interceptions it was bad yeah it was bad James, but Jameis and I'm actually kind of stoked for Derek Carr because I think that, yeah me too man I think they're gonna do really good but leaving the game you know walking down the street there was. You know, obviously, like Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, the Saints fans were like teasing them, but it was like it wasn't like Raiders fans where it was it was like hateful. It was just more. It was just all in fun. Like, yeah, it wasn't violent. No, it wasn't violent. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Well, that's because everybody's going out to drink right after, right? They're just oh, gonna, yeah, they're going to Jimmy John's or like <laughs> they're just gonna like, like gonna go right to a walk-ons, walk-ons, uh, yeah, walk-ons. Right? That's what it was. Yeah, but like even in that sense, it's just like. 
people are different, you know? Ah, yeah. I think they're, they're, they're better than getting angry, but it's still out there. You know, I, I just think it would be a funny, it would have been a, 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 a funny bit in my head. I still hadn't worked it out yet. Now I had mentioned, uh, I had mentioned the idea of a game show. I want to kind of get your, I, I want to get your feedback on, but before I drop that on you, I'm going to try to follow the rules here. I'm going to stick to a mid episode break and I'm going to take this opportunity to tell anybody listening first to subscribe. Do I say smash the subscribe button? It bothers me that people say smash the subscribe button, but I find myself saying smash the subscribe button. So I'll save myself loathing till after I get off the mic. The thing I want to talk about is our YouTube channel again. Uh, I, I think we're, we're just really proud of the fact that we were able to produce enough content to give you a new daily episode for over a year that's coming. Check us out. Go to YouTube, type in Ruminations Radio network i don't want to spell it for you because it's it's easy sounds spell it phonically are you manations you can do it there you'll find that slow drip of content you can start from episode one of brevity box and you can see it scheduled out you can start at episode one of cinephile hissy fit you can start at episode one of ruminations of red rump if you would rather get updates on our current episodes well then you're probably already listening so like I said, hit the subscribe button, but we can be found on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcast. So check us out. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you. All right. Game show idea. Hit me. And we're going to try this out with just... Or at least if if I can get people to like the idea, if Mitch likes the idea, we're going to get the network to do it as sort of a, you know, team building exercise, because that's a corporate term. Yeah. But yeah, it, it'll be more fun and see if it works. But I also think it could be funny just in general to have as a show. But I don't know how I've never, I mean, you know, I think that's pretty lofty. I got a game show idea. I think it's just a game. So here's the thought. It would be... I don't know how the point system would exactly work, but the concept is this, is that if it's you, me, Mitch, and two other people, so there's three panel, like there's just there's three people competing. Okay. And whoever's turn it is, you're going to get the name of a, like an easy to recognize movie or television show character. Now you're the only one that knows that character. The people that are going to be looking at you, their job is to figure out who you are. But what they are given is questions that they have to ask you that are based on current events or sports or something that has nothing to do with the movie that character's from. And everything that you answer has to be in character. (laughs) And then you get points and the person who guesses get points if they can guess what character and give you details of like the movie, etc. So it's kind of like pyramid, but with impressions. With impressions. Got but it. you have to guess the the point isn't to answer the question correctly because the questions are coming from the people competing. Got it. Right. But it would be like, you know, if you can imagine like I let's say yours was Willy Wonka. 
and I'm or an Oompa Loompa from Willy Wonka. Right. And I'm said, uh, today the FBI and the Department of Justice indicted a whistle a known whistleblower for the Republican Party who's been on the run and is wanted for espionage and being a spy for the Chinese as well as brokering <laughs> military arms and Iranian oil to China. <laughs> and then I'd like like tell me what is what is that about or some shit and then you have to answer as an oompa loompa would be fucking funny just to hear like <laughs> oompa loompa doompa do republicans don't know what to do <laughs> you know like it just be that's a very overblown like version but yeah I, I went a little too hard on the stupid political question but you get my point right? yeah, yeah. Like if, I, if i asked something the questions would have to be curated i i think they'd have to be dumbed down i don't think anybody's smart enough to oh, do yeah, all that i know i just went overboard trying to be yeah, stupid yeah yeah yes, no right? i got it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean but you know or sell me a tesla as an oompa loompa it would be funny you know yeah. Or, oh yeah anything like that that's where the point exchange would come. And then, of course, you're going to have bad impressions and characters that are really difficult, you know, and just I think that's where the entertainment comes in. Like, I think it might be funny. Yeah. No, it's like an improv trivia. Yeah, it is like improv. It's basically the yes, it is improv trivia. Yeah, that, that'd be but great. You have to guess who it is. You have to right. figure out. So and thing is, is if if you if people nail it, you get points. Right. If people don't nail it, nobody gets points, right? And so in right. the end, you kind of... So I guess it would have to be a team of, like, two squads, right? There'd have to be the panelists, and they'd have to... It almost like Hollywood squares it, right? There'd have to be people that were just over there to do the parts and do the roles and do the shit like that. God, Hollywood squares is so good. I think game shows are underrated. I do, too. I can enjoy a good game show. I get surprised at some of those Family Feud clips. Oh, I... Love him. I mean, Steve Steve Harvey. Steve is Harvey's like, great. Is the best. He's hilarious. What about the? What was it? The um, the uh, newlywed game. I gotta. I got before we go into newlywed game. I gotta say my favorite. My favorite Family Feud like dumb answer of the year where two women were up at the ready to compete to hit the button, and he goes, "What number do men lie about?" And she hits the buzzer, and she goes, 10. And it was supposed to be like their penis size, you know, their height, <laughs> the many people they slept she with. Says right? 10. She just says a number, dude. She's like 15 or some shit like that. And he just looks at her like, what? what? <laughs> when, like this blonde, this buxom blonde was like flirty and this dude across from her goes, wolf. And he then. Steve Harvey like slaps the dude on the shoulder. He goes, "Is that your wife right over there?" And he's like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> he's like, "You about to get divorced?" He's like, you <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah, like uh, there, there. Do you remember the newlywed game? I do, man. I do, of course. They, where they were like, they would ask. So what they would do was ask the wife a question, and the husband would have to respond, and then or ask the husband a question and the wife would have to respond to see if they had the same answers. And, uh, I I'll never forget the one. And <laughs> I think, it, I don't remember his last name, but is the, the host, his name was Bob something, but he asked the couple, uh, but he asked the wife directly because 
you know, he says, what's the weirdest place you've had sex? And <laughs> she, she responded with, she responds with, in the butt, Bob. <laughs> and everybody just started losing their shit. And he goes, I, uh, no, that's not what I meant. I was talking about the back of a Volkswagen. Right. Like, you know, exactly. Like rats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, that's, that's the fun. I, I don't know. I, I love those kinds of shows as well when they get it right. Even like the newlywed game, you can, and that clip was from the sixties, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's like an old, that's what, see, that's also like, to me, that's a, that's a pigeonhole into what, like what I really believe the reality of, of us is right. Is that our parents, whether we want to believe it or not, were you know, they were doing the same shit, but they were much more nervous about being open about it. Yeah. They were much more about the, the poise and the quaff. And so it's, that's where I like, again, we're going back to that social media bit where I'm like, everybody's been doing the same shit that people are talking about on Instagram where it's all fake and they're just trying to sell you what kind of great life they have. It's like, that's been that way since the class system. Right. Like you, like it's been that way since, uh, forever, you know, that's, you always want to look, you always want to, that, that's what I, I mean, you know, we grew up seeing that people presenting themselves as, Oh no, we're, we're, we're better. We're, we're now, we're now, we're here now. We're better now. Right. As I was this sort of clock, we're on the, we're on the next rung, you know, that ladder everybody's talking about. We're just went up the next rung. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just don't, it's, it's just kind of always been the same, not in a bad way, like in a, in a very positive way that it makes me feel like if I would have taken Instagram back to the flappers of the twenties, those assholes would have been doing the same shit. Like, look at my Charleston. And I'd be like, uh, and, and people would just be enamored with it and they would think, oh, look at their lives. They're so, oh God, it's so great. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if they do. I, I mean, I get it. They get, they got more power to do shit, but I'm not sure that I'm not sold that that always means. I think that, that those struggles are so unique and, and difficult when you get to that level anyway. I don't know that there's any escaping that really. Like, the, you know, like more money, more problems kind of deal. I mean, I do think that that's, different problems you know like because i i so like we started this or i started this we were talking about like how to how to look at a podcast's evolution right and we went through the first 10 episodes thinking i find people very interesting and i want i'm i happily sit and do a long interview with people i'm just friends with or that i'm acquainted with or even people that i don't know personally but i'm fascinated with i'll talk to them for three hours ask them every question i'm curious about yeah. And just kind of follow my nose, right? Yeah. But that's a different thing than what it became, right? And and what it became was much, much more sort of motivated by the times when I'd have a group of friends together and the conversations we'd get involved with, where they kind of meant nothing. But every now and then you'd you'd strum on the cord of something serious. And and you know, there's always somebody or a handful of people who know more than you would expect about a subject. And you can learn something. It's a it's a good it's a good environment to learn from from somebody that you respect, even if you don't agree with them. Right, right. And it may not change your mind entirely, but maybe you're not as maybe that's the exposure I'm talking about. Right, like some of my more conservative friends would think, oh, all liberals are hardcore, and then they get around somebody who's sort of classic liberal, but has is really thinking about things that they don't give a shit about, 
And same thing with them. They're thinking about things that I'm not considering. And we can debate and argue, but not hate. And that's what those conversations are supposed to be about, right? A chance for you to get on your soapbox. Because when else did you do that except for when you were around that group of, of friends that you know well enough to get into that with, right? Even if it's yeah. just between commercials when you're watching the game or between fights or after the fights are done and four of you are playing rock band because you're shit-faced and maybe stoned and the other four of you are in the kitchen eating cold food and bitching and complaining and arguing about bullshit until it's your turn to get on the drums. Yeah, I, I even <laughs> I even remember like uh, the time before all social media. It's like that's all you did. You'd sit in a room like, like as a teenager, like just having some beers, smoking cigarettes, and just shooting the shit. And you had to hear everybody's ideals and just talk through all of it. Yeah, I I, I mean I think that's that's kind of. What I want, I don't want to lose that. Like I want to keep going for that. Yeah, I, I I want to keep going for that. And 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 a part part of the reason is I listen to a good amount of podcasts, you know, and a lot of YMH Studio stuff. But not only that, you know, I, I'm I've been sort of taken with Neil Brennan's podcast, uh, which is on YouTube. It's called Blocks. He's not a somebody who's supporting us, <laughs> but, but I like I like his show. But yeah, I, I, like those, there's so many comedians and so many famous people that do, a, and it, they've become like, like we're, like I was talking about, right? They've got all the drops, they've got the music, they've got the great editing, and there's a place for that. And I really like that, right? I, I don't get me wrong. I like, I love their shows. But like one of the shows, like I'll, I'll, I gotta like put a standout on a couple of them because I think whether I like, I don't like Joe Rogan as much as I used to. But what I think makes his podcast interesting is that he does tend to vary the topic and talk about those topics deeply. You know, if it's elk hunting and he's talking about archery and elk hunting with the guy who's a pro, then it's like three hours of it. It's not my thing. I might be bored to tears, but he's deep in there and it doesn't have anything to do with anything, right? Yeah. Except for that. And then he might have a panel where it's comedy and this and that, but it's not as much promotional. Whereas other comedy podcasts that I love, it kind of feels like they're all on the circuit to go on each other's podcasts and promote their dates and promote their, like it, it does start to feel more like radio, right? Like where they're promoting their thing or morning, good morning, America. Yeah. 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 You know, tell us what you got going on. Like there's, there's a few shows that break that wheel, like hot ones brilliantly breaks that wheel because he's an incredible interviewer with real questions that are in depth and insightful. I love that show. <laughs> but also the 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 food disarms so many people that you get to see something that like that poise that we were talking about before just kind of melts away, you know, when you start seeing <laughs> them break into a sweat and trying to keep their their and some of them are just pure focus and blow you away. Yeah. But that that's that's sort of what I'm trying to say is it like shows like Hot Ones, shows like um like it's always sunny in Philadelphia the podcast. I really think what makes that sh that podcast specialist is it does contain that element of three dudes who've known each other for 20 years and they don't, they clearly don't agree on everything, but they love the shit out of each other and they laugh yeah. at the fact that they have some friction. Nobody's nobody's precious about it. Yeah. And it, it is most of an hour long show for them 
will not be about talking about the episode that they're supposed to cover. It'll be talking about the things they went through and what they were learning and where they were. And they, I think that that's sort of the same thing. You know, you're you're seeing a real genuine connection. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what we're touching on is with with so little of that being commonplace, like it was back in our day. You know, like back, back, it's not as common as it used to be. And maybe this is the the way people get a sample of how to communicate with another human that you don't always see eye to eye with, or or even if you do, just different perspectives on things. Yeah. I don't know that there's enough of that. Like, I, I, like when we talk about whether the podcast market is oversaturated, I think the things that I think it's oversaturated with are the the ones that sound like each other. And there's a lot that do, right? There's a yeah. lot that do, and there and there's plenty that are unique and have their own spin. But I don't I don't think there's enough trying to capture that mood. I think that's why the Sunny Cast is so popular and works so well. I think that's why Hot Ones works. You know, it's there's something there. There's a that as stupid as it sounds, the bonding over that torture of going to the bomb. Every everybody that eats the bomb, there's a you're now brothers for life, <laughs> right? <laughs> You've now spilt the same blood and the same mud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're a veteran. You know, there's something that you know about each other that you didn't know about anybody before. That's what it seems like. But yeah, it, it, I don't think that that's captured very often. I think it's, it's kind of you know I don't know if anyone will hear the last conversation you and I had about this, but we were talking about that in reference to uh, Two Bears, One Cave. I mean, Tom Segura is hilarious. Bert, also a very successful comedian who I personally find less hilarious, but... A hundred percent. Yeah, when they're on there together, I can enjoy the show a lot. And it's really it's really their chemistry that sells it. And, and why it works is because... They're friends and they're like, they just know how to. They're so opposite and they're friends, but it's Tom. Tom gives you permission to to love Bert for his flaws because he's so patient with him. <laughs> he does, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he and he'll and he does make fun of him and he, he he's sort of the voice of that anxiety in you if you're like me and totally just have this like I I immediately feel myself getting irritated. And almost with any other podcast or interview, like I saw Bert on Rich Eisen and fucking felt cringe. He's the same guy. Yeah. Right. It's the same guy, but I was uncomfortable for him in, in that one. I was just like, I thought it was a little cringy, but then he goes and he's with Tom and it's funnier because he doesn't seem out of place. He, he gets to be in his natural environment, uh, Bort Kirshner, whatever his name is. <laughs> and then, uh, and Tom gets to kind of keep him in check for the most part. But even then Bert's always interrupting. Him. <laughs> just like, yeah. Speaking of, did you, have you seen the the new special? I have. I didn't see Tom's new special, and you should. Everybody should definitely oh, check it my out. God, it's the best. Yeah, I, well, so like this is kind of what I was going to about having other jobs in a way, because there are times where I think, you know, every now and then you'll hear a comedian talk about it, but man, you got to think about how how much commitment that is to travel that often to be gone that around the world. It sounds luxurious, right? Oh no, it's awful. It's, it's you think about it, it sounds fucking shit. It's the same thing as bands like touring, like <laughs> it's it's rough. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's where you kind of you kind of think, you know, I mean, what, I would say like comedic wise, it's probably a lot easier. Yeah, that's true. 
but it's kind of the same thing though, right? Because if you're a rock star and you go out, you have to always be the rock star. And I think if you're the comedian, don't you feel like I was thinking about that the other day at some point, don't you just think somebody like Tom craves a serious conversation? Maybe not with random people, right? But there's got to be somebody that he calls and he's like, I just want to talk about geopolitical events. <laughs> I yeah, want to talk about Sweden getting into NATO. I really, I just want to talk about things that aren't funny. Like not everything has to be a punchline, you know? Or maybe not. Maybe. I don't or know. Or he just makes jokes about everything. But he has to, right? Like, don't you, do you feel like that kills the, I would be, af- I would be so afraid of that killing the Im- impulsive I wonder how I would be because I might be more like I I I think I would be more like Tom where once I got off stage I would be like all right I'm going home I'm done like I'm out like I don't think I would be like Bert that thirst for the for the for attention the, the 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 I don't I don't know. yeah I mean I, it sounds like I'm trying to shame the man I'm not but that unquenchable unquenchable thirst for the spotlight I'll just say yeah. the spotlight yeah. that that is what gets me the wrong way a lot of time. But yeah, I don't know if those are characters either, right? I think we take it for granted that we believe we're we're hearing these real people. And I don't know I don't believe that they're a little bit of a character. Yeah, but I feel like Tom is real. Like that's how he thinks. I I believe he's real. You know, like I, I think he's probably a little more reserved in real life, I bet. Maybe. Yeah. Like even going to like Anthony Jesselnick, I don't know if oh, that guy's a legend. Oh, he's he's great. The the dark humor, but like those are the thoughts that roll through those two dudes' heads all the time, and they just make comedy out of it. But so I think I think what they do, I can't talk about it because I mean, obviously, I'm not, I don't know anything about writing and going up on the stage. I, I've, I've spoken in front of people a little bit. I just think the idea of go, that that I have a lot of respect for what they do because, like, using Tom as an example, that guy is is a machine. Like he really does manage his studios he's on you know he's banking episodes for two podcasts that he's the lead of in between his touring you know like it's it's a lot man like yeah. it's it's a you got you got to have those i think it would be a lot to always have that expect expectation of being funny yeah but he always uses like yeah and i and i do like the fact that he like updates like like one of the things he said on his new special he was like yeah i just bought a new house thanks to you guys you know like just little gems like that like <laughs> like he wouldn't be able to do that without them um but like just having like that reality of like the lifestyle of you know understanding that his support crew is like his fans and being able to do what he does with them well with their support Right. He, he definitely understands that. Yeah, I mean, I think, but still making a joke out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's clearly got some great fans. But pertaining to to the the what we were talking about with him and Bert, you know, what they capture on their podcast is the chemistry between the two of them. And then when with everything that they do, and Bert making a movie, and Tom being on tour, when they would have guests come in, it's just a different show, right? Oh, 100%. You don't get that chemistry. You're you're now on a interview show. And so I, I think we're kind of like, this is a, this is kind of how a normal conversation works between people, right? We we've touched on eight different subjects in the most random order going <laughs> back and forth with them, but it all ties together into this sort of one message of 
Like the reason you and I are doing this is to try to figure out where the groove of that is for us, right? And and th- and knowing we're not like we want the what's in the box, you know, but we don't want it to be overboard to where it becomes like we're trying, we're doing a bad caricature of something that's got the legs to be much more produced like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I, I think it's okay to accept the sort of what we're trying to capture. I, I'm really looking forward to having Becky back and see how the chemistry works and then Mitch as well. And I, I just, uh, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited for what's next for this small podcast. And I think from the beginning, I've tried to keep telling myself, cause you know, you're hardest on your own ideas. Oh yeah. And, and so I, whenever I get mad at my podcast, I get mad at the name. And then when I get forgiving about it, I always try to say, you know, because I really believe you can change the meaning of those things. You know, like you could just by the way they're marketed and the way that you feel about them and the way that you present them, you got to earn the, the name. You got to live up to that name in a way. And so that's what I keep telling myself is you got you to gotta live up to that, that name. Like, I, I mean, think about how, how now like Grogu is in lexicon. If I would have wrote those letters down on a piece of paper and gotten you to say them, you would have thought I was having a stroke (laughs) or that that was the most uncool word on the planet. But Disney makes it into Baby Yoda and now everybody's like, oh, Grogu, even me, (laughs) even I love Grogu. And this is the way, (laughs) you know, but (laughs) you get my point, right? It's like, it's not. Is now cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what BBX will be other than true. Like we I think that's the one thing we could say. We've been honest and we've been true through from the beginning and we'll keep doing that and keep feeding our our worthless hot take opinions through this microphone to see if we can find any listeners and, and hopefully we'll we'll get our vibe in there one way or the other with both of our ideas. I don't know, man. What do you think? I mean, we've now let's let's wrap this episode up with your your thoughts of having sat in on almost three hours of recording and, and getting your feel for it. What's your, uh, what's your takeaway so far? I like it. I mean, you know, it's like just us having conversation, uh, and (laughs) kind of sharing our opinions with everybody. Uh, I, I think, I think it's got, uh, I think we got something as far as bullshitting, you know, cause we can, touch on every topic and subject and and just kind of run with it. I take offense at calling it being called a bullshitter, sir. Uh, No. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe I should have chose different words, but no, no, no. Look, I I do. I I take your point because I don't, I don't in the best connotation of the word bullshit um, because I do think part of it ties together. Some of the things that we've talked about recorded and unrecorded. And that's, you know, phrases like you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And I think this all comes down to communication. I, I think you and I have a, a similar, I don't want to say analytical because it sounds kind of stuck up. I just think we have a good sniffer when it comes to, <laughs> we know bullshit really well. Yeah. And look, we're, we're related to people who are talented at it. Uh, yeah. And I think that when you are around people who are talented at it, there's only two kinds of people like that. You're talented at it, but you either love doing it and you get a kick out of it and you never stop. Or you love doing it for a while when you're a kid. And and everybody who's a bullshitter will run into a, their first brick wall or their first time where they get fucking busted being full of shit. <laughs> and, it's either, and it's got one of two effects, right? It either makes you lean in or you kind of realize you are 
falling into something that maybe you're you don't want to. Yeah. And then you become completely aware of it. Yeah. Where it's very difficult for you to be around people who you know are trying to bullshit in the worst connotation of the word, people around you, people you know, people that you would want to protect. And they're completely just trying to smoke screen them, gaslight them, yeah. bullshit them. That's, you know, there's a weird thing because as 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 uh, semi-talented bullshit artists ourselves, we kind of expect a certain grade of game. And if that person is not delivering that grade of game, there's an insult factor, which seems weird, but it's true. Like yeah. you're almost mad at the guy for not having better bullshit. Yeah. And then you're mad that the better bullshit isn't what's required to get people <laughs> to buy it. Yeah. Because that's where, where you were. You were like, I, I don't want to. more from you. I expected <laughs> more, dude. Yeah, it, it does. It does color how you see people, you know, and you get it in the, in every vibe. Like as people miss the, the nuance of communication and the tells, the facial expressions, the smirks, the fake smiles, the, the movement of the hand, the shoulder, like all that, all that says, tells a story. Yeah. And you don't learn all that unless you are born and raised in a household <laughs> with a professional bullshit artist. If you're exposed at a young age, you get acclimated and your natural immune system builds up a quality defense against that level of horseshit, right? Yeah. You're like, this guy's fucking full of shit. Right. And then the fun changes, right? Because then when you're that guy on the other side of the fence, you are the natural enemy of the bullshit artist because you're now the guy playing tennis. Yeah. Right. You're the guy exposing him. Like he hits the bullshit tennis ball. I'm going to head it back. And you go back and go, blam. Right. And they're like, 30 love. He's looking like he's full of shit. You know, it, but I mean, that is kind of how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know, and sometimes you get a guy who's really a good, you know, it's one or the other. That's where I, I know it sounds crazy, but it sort of ties into why good comedians really hit home. Whether it, and we, we've talked about Tom Segura a lot. The reason that comedy hits you so hard is not, is it's everything from the facial expression to the words chosen, to the delivery, right? Yeah. Like, there was an old bit that he did where everything he's told about this story, talking to somebody at the front of a bank, it's clear that he's making this guy sound like he's not so fucking smart. <laughs> but the way he delivers that information is by saying the line, did you drive to work today? Or did somebody, you know, drop you off? <laughs> that is such a great turn of phrase that that's what gets me <laughs> laughing so fucking hard is that it's those moments where a few words hits like a ton of bricks and Tom's talent, Jesselnick's ta talented at it. Um, dude, you gotta, those are the comedians. You that have to really... check out, um, Ben Roy. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, of course. I love him so much, but I was going to say like to that, to that, um, effect, like there, there was a comedian. I can't remember the name right now, but he was talking about what he does, what like his life decisions. He does it on what makes a better story or a funnier story. Yeah, well, I think that, look, even <laughs> I think it's true. I mean, like Bert has a great mind for telling a story. He's a great storyteller. As much as I might not be a big fan, but what I mean is like his act, like your actions and your reactions. Like, what's going to make for a funnier story? I'll do that because then. 
when I tell the story, it's going to be funnier. Well, the, it's that it's that cadence. I mean, Jesselnik, his cadence is like that. And uh, Nate Bargatze yeah. cracks me up. Yeah. Like when he said the guy, he goes, the guy we have the to do our lawn is my wife. <laughs> like that, that phrase is funny. Like just that pause, like knowing where to put those pauses, knowing how to deliver, knowing that delivering it with a straight deadpan face is, is going to be funnier. It's like, it's you, you're on, those guys are incredible. Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney, that, that guy will make, I mean, there is just, that's what I think is brilliant about comedy is that, you know, they have a sense of people being on the same wavelength. Yeah. You know, that, that you just can't, you just can't prepare for. And I, and, and on that end, that's, you know, we went, we started from, do you ever feel jealous of, of not being in that kind of work environment? I, I don't, because I don't think you get, I could be totally wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sure. But I don't think you get to appreciate these kinds of, conversations and connections in those environments as much. I don't think you get to meet as many new people. It sucks to deal with customers on your end. You get to see the worst, but you also get to see some great shit and, and probably build some great relationships and it's incredibly rewarding. Oh yeah, it's a, it's definitely a love hate like you you know, like you said, like I see the worst of people uh, but I also see the best of people and even the strangest of people, you know. It, it's <laughs> Let's start with that next time we record and get some strange restaurant stories. Oh, I'll I will write those down. See what we yeah, get get a couple of those and we'll come back with those in the next time <laughs> we get down in here. All right. Well look, I've had a lot of fun, Nick. We're gonna do this again. Um for everybody listening, yeah, the subscribe button is right there. And there's a bell that I'll be honest with you, I rarely click, but when I really like something and I wanna know when a new episode is available. I hit the little reminder so I it'll go out of its way to let me know a new one is there. Um, we are, I wouldn't say we're starting over. I will say we're rebuilding from the inside. We've been out a few episodes, but we're sort of back in the swing of things. Soon, hopefully, Beck will, Becky will be back with us. Mitch will be back with us. He is touring Europe. So we basically got two people saving two hemispheres of the world at the time. You're welcome. Don't ask what they do. It's top secret. Uh, Remember, Reverdy Box is brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network. The Ruminations Radio Network and all the podcasts therein are brought to you and sponsored by Area 42 Studios and Sound. Please check out our website at www.ruminationsradionetwork.com and look for our next episode soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.